It's not a very well-known school, as I had come to learn after I graduated, but the school that I got my bachelor's degree from, Southern Utah University, is located in Cedar City, almost dead smack in the middle of the landscape. It's by no means a hustling and bustling city compared to some of the local areas like St. George, but without the school and the traffic caused by the students, its numbers would be diminished severely. And while the school, like any other one, has a foreign exchange program, a large demographic of the students come from either Vegas or northern Utah. About a three-hour drive, either way. And of course, everybody has their reasons for the move. Some kids want to have more than one season that's not blazing hot. Other kids want to get away from their parents but have in-state tuition. But the biggest thing that's advertised as SUU's most alluring feature is its environment. Yes, it's in a desert, but SUU has near-instant access to all these different hikes and trails you can do in between classes if you've tailored your schedule correctly. You've got Canaraville, before permits were required. You've got the city of Escalante. You've got the Cosmic Ashtray in Escalante. You've got Peekaboo Canyon. And you've got all these different hikes that I can guarantee you I have no clue about. And I lived there for six years. A part of that, too, comes from the fact that I had no interest in hiking. You've got to remember, if you've listened to chapter 13, a day hike felt outlandish to me. A day hike is not a hike, I would think to myself. It's a bumpy stroll. Or in the words of John Panette, hiking is a walk that sucks. If I was going to hike, I was going to be committed to multiple days of being out in the wilderness, or I would have to cancel everything I had that day because there would be too much activity going on. I couldn't juggle a walk through nature and my life. That's way too much to handle, and in this day and age... I would probably have to do a rain check on my rent just to cover the goddamn gas to get there. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A Podcast Memoir by M.K. Lott Chapter 16 Thor's Throne Something that was oddly surprising to me while being a college student during the COVID-19 pandemic was I was the only one in it seems, who took the time to look through the classes in gallery mode and try to learn as many of my classmates' names as I could. Is that a little stalkerish? I'm sure an argument could be made for that. But I figured it wouldn't hurt if I actually took the time to learn people's names in the more than rare case that I bump into them on campus. And it seemed to go a long way when I would have the opportunity to do so. At first, they were weirded out because it's a random stranger calling you by name. Why would it not be weird? But the more I explained it to them, the more excited they got by actually meeting somebody who knew what they were studying, or for lack of a better term, the politics of a certain class. It was really fun and honestly rejuvenating to go up to someone and say, hey, we're in ancient Greek together, and be able to build rapport instantaneously in person. My favorite example of this was an interaction I had with someone after working as the videographer for one of the Entrepreneurship Speaker Series lectures. And I saw, through the camera I was handling, the back of the head of one of the people in my ethics classes. To keep names confidential and under the radar, we'll call him the Wanderer. And despite it being a somewhat small campus, you could walk from one side of campus to the other in roughly 15 minutes, I was surprised to see him in the business school. As a philosophy major, I was something of an anomaly in the business building, and someone without a quote-unquote legitimate degree, depending on who you talk to. So when I saw The Wanderer, I would imagine I felt the same thing that an English speaker experiences meeting another English speaker in a foreign country. I quickly placed the camera back into the office, let the footage upload, and camped outside the doors to catch him. Thanks to my varsity track and field days, I caught him in record time. 
He was chatting with one of the economics professors, usually the only reason why a film major would be in the business building, and I waited patiently, pretending to be social with other random students, and once the opportunity rose, I took the time to say hi. Hey, you're the wanderer, right? Yeah, he said with a raised eyebrow. Do we know each other? Uh, kinda. We're in ethics together. I saw you on Zoom. Oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. We then proceeded to discuss philosophy in a slowly echoing hallway, namely whether or not fictional characters could exist through the artifactual theory of realism. And the hallway emptied very quickly, which I would accredit to what is known as a tactical retreat on behalf of the business faculty and students once they overheard the conversation. Over time though, the wanderer and I became good coffee chat buddies, and one day, he invited me to go hiking on a trail that's known as Thor's Hideout. Thor was the name of SUU's mascot, a Thunderbird, and was something of a hotspot for the outdoorsy students. Now, with everything that I had previously mentioned in this episode, I had to be honest with him. Yeah, I love hiking, let's do it! And it was settled. I was going to go hiking with him to Thor's hideout, wherever that was, on a Saturday. That, that was the biggest selling point. It was the start of the weekend, so the risk of missing out on things was relatively low, and I'm usually easily persuaded when there's good company involved. And apparently, I decided to celebrate with a few shots of whiskey with Doug and a couple of our other buddies. And for those curious, yes, this is the same Doug I talked about in Chapter 4 who twerked to Green Day. Now, keep in mind, I had been hungover before. I mean, being raised Mormon and discovering alcohol in college, how could you not get hungover? But this one was different. You see, sometimes the drinks like to sneak their way into the darndest places, and I woke up with barely any hearing in my left ear. It was the first time I had lost one of my senses because of drinking, and at the time, I had no idea that was happening. I thought I was just aging stupidly fast, or something happened, like I got injured, but I kept thinking over and over again how I had to cancel the trip to figure out what was going wrong with me, and in a sense, it became something of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I normally didn't like the idea of just taking the time to go on a hike because I could, and was physically capable, without canceling everything and then some just to make the time. So I think now, as a student of hypnotherapy, I realized that I chose to drink excessively the night before because the idea of a day hike was contradictory to what I believed that kind of activity to be or allow. So I subconsciously began to partake in an activity that would encourage me to ruin the opportunity and wait for something that was more in alignment with my own personal preferences. This is a very common thing that happens with people who feel stuck in their lives. So common, in fact, I would go so far as to say that everybody at one point in their lives experiences this. So. You can do a few things with this. One, you could change your subconscious programming working with someone who's trained to help you, like me. You could do nothing about it and let it continue. Or, you could use the path of least resistance to your advantage. As someone who didn't have any kind of therapy as a career on his radar, I surprisingly chose the latter. As I began to drive to my coffee shop to work my side hustle, I studied what the lack of hearing in that ear felt like, and I discovered that it felt like water. It was the same sensation you get when you're underwater for too long, so I reverted to the one person I knew who had the most experience with college parties and what to do the next day. My stepdad. 
So I texted him, hey, can you lose your hearing when you're hungover or should I be concerned? Roughly 10 minutes had passed and I got the response, just eat something, you're fine. The idea was I knew that I subconsciously believed that if this was a side effect of a hangover, then I didn't need to worry about trying to fix my hearing or cancel the hike. I just needed to focus on curing my hangover, which I knew was something I was capable of doing in a very short amount of time, or at least handle it enough to be functioning. Once the side hustle was done, I drove right over to Firehouse Subs that at the time had this, oh god, it had this limited time kind of meatball sub where the bread was coated with garlic spread and they placed pepperoni slices over the melted cheese and I'm pretty sure they added the garlic spread over that too. So there was no way your hands weren't shiny after the meal from all the grease and the oil you accrue. Nutritionally, I might as well have drank lard, but if God exists, he clearly set the stage for the occasion. Now, I don't remember what else I ate or drank from that day. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the only thing I had. But while I would say I wasn't stupid enough to forget water on a hike, I would say I was stupid enough to not have enough water. So everything worked out great. By the time I was picked up by the Wanderer, he was spry and healthy and ready to go, and I was hungover, dehydrated, and probably had cholesterol that was higher than my IQ. Now, I had gotten comfortable in his car in order to prep myself for an odyssey to make it to the great outdoors, but as I began to watch the streets curve and twist, I felt a twinge of suspicion. I knew that based on the advertisements, the hikes were very close and abundant, but the head of the trail was just a 10 minute drive away. There's no way it was this close. I had been there for a job when I was a photographer. I would have never thought that this was a hike. That's because I now realized work had me stay at the base of the trail. So when we parked, we witnessed the start of the hike, landmarked by this giant, valiant tree with shoes tied together and tossed around the branches. And then we grabbed our water bottles and made our way to the throne. Thor's hideout is an interesting hike, as you start at the bottom of two hills, and then you go up a somewhat steep slope to the red rocks that give Southern Utah its personality. Normally, I would notice the dirt in my old DC shoes that would sneak their way into the, my socks. I would notice the lack of support from the shoes, and the heat, and the sudden dryness of my mouth, and the consequences of a hangover, and the fact that I still couldn't hear out of my ear. I'm fine now, but still couldn't at the time. And according to the story and the memories I have, I should have experienced all of this. But I didn't. What I do remember experiencing was the conversations I had with the Wanderer. It started with discovering each other's taste in music. A wonderful icebreaker if you're on a first date, by the way. Specifically, we each picked a song that had a strong impact on our lives and something that had a very powerful meaning for us. For me, that was Uninvited by Alanis Morissette. For him, that was the Kendrick Lamar album to Pimp a Butterfly. And while I was a passive Kendrick Lamar fan and he was a passive Alanis Morissette fan, we were so devoted to discovering why those songs impacted us the way they did that by the time we tried to figure out where the hell we were, we were already halfway up one of the hills. And I looked at the time on my phone, and it was just barely 1pm. We started at around half past noon. Once we hit the crossroads to either Thor's hideout or the rest of the trek, called Thor's Lookout, I was asked the question of where to go next. 
And in an odd turn of events, I answered, can we try both? So we tried both. First, we pursue the hideout, which was easily the space with the most traffic, as even though there weren't very many people, the trail was narrow enough that making way for someone involved having to grab onto a tree or a sturdy enough rock just to give them room. They would thank us as they would grab onto another piece of the environment and play an awkward game of Twister just to get to the fucking bottom. Thankfully, Thor's hideout is very beginner friendly if you're not too scared of slipping. And in no time at all, we finally got to the titular throne. Thor's throne was essentially a makeshift seat that nobody could sit in without shitting out splinters for days afterwards, but it's the thought that counts, and it was very meticulously crafted from nearby fallen branches of the desert to give off the illusion of a throne. In a weird way, it was Cedar City's version of the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones, because very much like that throne, if you sat in it, you weren't going to last very long, or you were going to get hurt very quickly. So we did some social distancing with the chair and took a moment to spectate our surroundings. Now I know this has been overstated plenty of times by the locals and you know, any of the recruiters for SUU, but the ads really don't do it justice. Southern Utah is littered with these little pockets of vibrant red and orange that's complemented with faint shades of green that could come off occasionally as a kind of teal. You can't really understand the beauty until you're there, or at least I couldn't. I had a uh, the greener the better kind of attitude towards landscapes, but I was pleasantly surprised that I was wrong. And not that I would recommend this to anyone, but you add dehydration and a hangover to that, it's almost a psychedelic experience thanks to the delirium you get. And eventually we made it to the lookout on the other side of the canyon and watched Cedar City in its entirety just residing in its own ecosystem. What blew my mind is, we were done by 2.30, roughly, and I felt like we just discovered a whole canyon. From there, this became a loose tradition between me and the Wanderer. Whenever one of us had a difficult week or tried to get some relief from one of our philosophy papers, we would set up a time to go hiking for a few hours, every Saturday. So suffice it to say, we would hike at least once a week, maybe twice. We would drive further and further out into southeastern Utah, where there were forests and evergreens and cliff sides that really showed you an untouched view of the beehive state. Sometimes we wouldn't even get out of the car. We would just drive and go through a more touristy approach to the land. And during this time, we would talk the way most philosophy students do. We would talk about the evolution of AI and consequentialism, where the human spirit ends and begins, spirit versus consciousness, can you create consciousness and have it be just as valuable as actual consciousness, the ethics of it all, like whether or not discovering it is worth pursuing or if we screw ourselves over beyond repair in the middle of the expedition. Very popular topics in a state that's predominantly Mormon and subscribed to very Christian beliefs. Or sometimes we wouldn't even leave the house, not because of what we would talk about, but you know because we were students. The closer finals got, the more we stayed in our homes and jammed out to some lo-fi study beats and read Nietzsche's The Gay Science thoroughly for papers on phenomenology. Now, while it is nice to be able to just get outdoors and clear your mind with a study buddy, here's the beauty of that from a hypnotherapeutic perspective. It invokes the power of using nature as a trancing technique and the importance of tradition. 
Something that makes walks through nature and just walks in general so useful in this context is you occupy your conscious mind with things that it can observe with the senses while you subconsciously filter through other thoughts and processes, or absorb more information, like through a conversation. And walking isn't the only way you go about doing this. It's just one way that you can do it and get fresh air. Cooking, if you're good enough, is another tool I've heard a lot of people use. Others use background noise, like leaving on a TV or listening to music. Lo-fi, for example, or for me, it's having Bob's Burgers play in the background. And this is actually what solidifies the ultimate cliche in hypnosis. The pocket watch. You know, the classic waving back and forth like a pendulum. You're getting very sleepy, ba da ba da ba da The reason why that works, and the reason why it became a cliche, is because the pocket watch acts as something called an eye fascinator where you hyper-focus onto one thing, and when something drastically changes, like the snap of a finger, or the command deep sleep, your brain goes into fight-or-flight mode, and the hypnotist can enter someone's subconscious that way. With permission, of course. But the idea is to distract the conscious mind so you can enter the subconscious mind. With these hikes, I began to focus more and more on the environment and the landscapes while I had heart-to-hearts with the wanderer. And as a result, I realized I was also able to become very quick friends with him because I was able to absorb more of his viewpoints of the world faster. Which leads to the second point. Traditions. Traditions are very powerful because they really complement our ability to be easily conditioned. Sometimes even at an instinctive level where you hear or see something and without thinking twice you've already jumped to a conclusion. Traditions are just practices that train people to think or act a certain way, typically on a societal or cultural level. A perfect example of this? Lunchtime. While not everybody abides perfectly by this, whether you hear the word noon or read 12 o'clock, you're likely to imagine or visualize pictures of food or a lunchbox or you may have a Pavlov moment and get hungry or salivate. Human sacrifice is also a tradition. It's also murder, so despite what freedom of religion may cover, I wouldn't go so far as to posit that all traditions are good. But ultimately, it comes down to what you want the tradition to condition you to do. Before I met the Wanderer in person, I was conditioned to believe that hikes were a good tradition, but a huge time and health commitment. Before these events, the only hikes I really went on were camping events, like Havasupai, as I talked about in Chapter 13, or... They would be insanely hefty journeys, like the time I hiked the Grand Canyon from the north to the south rim in one day. And that conditioning led me to do stupid shit, like getting so drunk I lost hearing the night before the hike, and probably encouraging myself to cancel and wait until I had more time. Now, thanks to the Wanderer and the traditions I built with him, I now subconsciously identify hikes as easily accessible and opportunities to discover something new about the person I'm with in a way that I can't really do in almost any other kind of event. If you want to know someone really well, then get some hiking boots and then find a quick three-hour trail. You know what, maybe bug spray. Get a shitload of bug spray, hiking boots, three-hour trail. They will be your best friends for life. Now, fast forward about two years, And I was walking on my gym's track, and I bump into one of the members of the elder crew at the gym, where for the next hour, hour and a half maybe, I taught him how to deadlift, and I was introduced to No Stars Over Bethlehem by Protest the Hero, 
We then grabbed some Wendy's and very easily had the best heart-to-heart I had over lunch in a long time. Now, despite me being a welcomed addition to the Elder Crew for quite a while, I had to admit I missed a good heart-to-heart, just one-on-one. That's where I thrive. And it was about time that I had that from someone in the Elder Crew. A few hours later, that same member reached out on our group chat, inviting whoever was free to a night hike. As soon as I read that, I couldn't help but grin. First, he showed me music that resonated with him, followed by a deep conversation, and now he wants to go hiking. How's that for divine timing? Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you, and if you're in need to bring some self-improvement into your life, I am currently offering three free hypnotherapy sessions to anybody interested until August 31st, 2022. If you're interested to see how hypnotherapy can benefit you, feel free to reach out on Instagram at mklotprohobbyist, and I would love to do what I can. Thank you as always for listening, and until next time, here's to finding your way.